And just like that, mm-hmm. we're back again. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We are. Sight After Dark. Oh, yeah. A.K.A. The Music Maniacs. A.K.A. The Brooklyn Duo. A.K.A. your new favorite band. <laughs> and we would like to take the next couple of minutes to talk to y'all about our personal Lord and Savior, Mr. John Cash. <laughs> an american legend uh-huh. a world legend yeah definitely. i think mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. know do people in like australia care about johnny cash i think so i, I hope think so they, i reckon they do i reckon that they might as soon as they get their arm out of that damn crocodile mm-hmm. legend says the man in black still walks the earth till this day mm-hmm that's what they say and we're here to spread the legend mm-hmm. of mr jr cash oh yeah you gotta name your kids with initials yeah my name is actually s dot yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just d <laughs> you gotta name it with initials unless you want your kid to be in the military exactly because then the initials it stops yeah it's like enough with initials go get some names Go get some real shit I could put on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So if you get killed in battle, I could put it on your dog tag. <laughs> exactly. That's, yo, that's probably actually what it is. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, I don't. We don't need to go all the way through that. But oh, okay. we gotta start you guys at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, let's let's bring it back to whatever 1932. Yep, I think. Right in the middle of the depression. Yes. Oh man, FDR is giving out land to all the good Southern people, saying, "Work on this land, and maybe one day you might own it, slave." <laughs> <laughs> yes, and specifically for Mister Cash, we're talking about the great state of Arkansas. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I'm thinking about this, like I feel like Johnny Cash might be the most famous person to ever come out of Arkansas, besides okay, besides. Bill Blowjob Clinton. Slick Willie himself. <laughs> besides besides those two, do you even know anybody else from Arkansas? No. no um, <laughs> like, Hillary no and Chelsea. Does that count? <laughs> Did they grow up there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Chelsea was already born when, when Bill was running for president. So oh, I think okay. they all came out of there. Okay, well, whatever. Johnny Cash is better than them anyway. So, no offense <laughs> to anyone. I see your Arkansas Bill Clinton. People. I raise you, Johnny Cash. <laughs> I raise you with Johnny Cash. <laughs> Yeah, so as Sifa mentioned, FDR was like, I'm going to give out some land, but it's not your land, but you can work on the land uh-huh. because we're all broke right now and people need to work. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to put them to work. Yeah. So there was a lottery of to possibly get some land. Yeah. And Johnny's dad won the lottery. Yes, he did. So they got like 20 acres or something like that. Which is a good amount of land. Yeah, to basically be there working in the fields and farming and and using the land for the most productivity possible. Yes, yes, yeah. It's it's one thing about land. When you get it, it looks beautiful. But then you got to work it. (laughs) Right. Shit. Yeah, and 20 (laughs) acres is a lot. A whole lot of land. And it's basically just a family. Yeah, um, he had a lot of siblings, um, I think three before him and three after him. So it is a good amount of kids. That's great land and stuff like that. And we are talking back in the day where, you know, vast land is not like 
foreign to people, mm-hmm. you know, to, to your normal average uh, everyday person. But still, still, even back then, that's a lot of land, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And that's kind of what you got to have, like back in the day, you got to have a lot of kids yeah. <laughs> just to, to work. Get out there and work that land, boy. So they're working young. Mm-hmm. They're putting them to work real young. Oh, yeah. And what do you do when you're working in the fields? You sing songs. Uh-huh. You sing songs, you listen to music so you can forget that it sucks. That's and right. And that it's hot as fuck outside. Uh-huh. And you got another five acres to do today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is where all these songs, I, I know this is where all these songs come out. Like, you know, I've been working on the railroad mm-hmm. and... um. I don't know, 99 bottles of beer? Does that come from then? Or is that just uh, a drinking song? For a second, I thought you were going to say 99 problems. <laughs> Imagine Mr. Ray Cash. Shout out to Rick Rubin. He'll come back later. <laughs> yes, he will. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they got all the land. They're working. They're listening to music. And uh-huh. Johnny was always about the music. Yeah. And it's just a, it's really an escape for them, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that's always what it is. Like again, railroad feel, whatever it is. If you're hard labor, yeah, uh, singing a song can help bring your mind to another place. Yes, whistle while you work. That's another good one. All these songs I know came from the depression. Okay, hundred percent. Thank you guys for the tunes. Yeah, or right before when yeah, yeah you got chained to the land and you yeah. couldn't get off of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All, either way, there's lots of music coming out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and um. All right, so so Johnny's he was listening to the radio and he was always loving the radio and his family's like, man, you can't be listening to the radio all the time. How are you going to be successful? Exactly. What are you going to be a professional radio listener? <laughs> Come on, get real. Exactly, son. Mm-hmm. But he, so I don't I don't know if we should just get right into what happened to his brother. Yeah, because we gotta we gotta send Johnny off to that military. We gotta get Johnny singing. Yeah, we gotta get him on a road. So I killed that brother. No, (laughs) (laughs) wrong kid, dad. Um, So, yeah. So what happened was this was like probably like a really, you know, traumatic event that kind of shaped his future perspective on things. Right. Um, So like we said, everyone's working real young and they're working real hard. Mm -hmm. So he had a brother named Jack. Yes. Who was his older brother who they were like real good friends. They would always like go fishing together and they would sing songs together and blah, 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 blah. It was cute. And one day, Jack had to go to work. He was, like, sawing trees or some shit. Mm-hmm. And this the way they tell the story, I'm like, ah, it's so weird because it's easy to say this in hindsight, but, like, they were like, oh, that day, we, we all just knew something was wrong. Yeah. And we were like, don't go to work. Yeah. But he's like, no, nah, I got to go to work. I yeah. got to make money for us so we can live. Yeah. And we could hopefully live on, or we can hopefully own this land one day. One day. Right? So he's like, how, he was like 12 or yeah. some shit? Yeah. So he's 12. And Johnny's like, let's go fishing today. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah, I gotta work. Mm-hmm. I'm 12. I'm a, I'm a grown man. That's right. I gotta provide for my family. <laughs> I'm about to get married in a year. So Jack goes to work. And like two hours later, his dad drives back with like a freezer bag in the trunk, in the trunk of his car or whatever. Yeah. And it's Jack's dead body. <laughs> yeah. He basically cut himself in half with a fucking chainsaw yeah. at work. Yeah. Which is just insane. You know, I mean, they definitely came up with child labor laws, you know, around that time. But I used to watch a lot of shows from back in the days, namely Little House on the Prairie. And somebody's kid was always fucking dying. Okay, you were getting burned, you were getting oiled, you were drowning, you were dying at work, you had a typhoid, like 
and that's another reason why people did have that many kids because you know you want some to survive exactly blue cross blue shield was freaking charging an arm and a leg so nobody could afford health insurance no i'm just kidding there was no blue cross and blue shield <laughs> so so you know. what jack did was like if i cut off my arm yeah and give it to them yeah then i can get insurance then, maybe then maybe but he fucked up because he got his whole body instead of just his arm his whole that's body. where he fucked up that's the only place that he fucked up yeah you know so kids couldn't uh around that time i think they were starting to put their foot down like no more working kids no more three-year-olds at the factory like hmm. exactly <laughs> go out to the hudson river and jump off the docks and swim do something safe yeah. stop working go to the bottom of the river and find some bodies and bring them back because yeah. we've been looking for some of them exactly anyway so we're talking about arkansas <laughs> let's bring it back to arkansas uh-huh. okay so so johnny's brother dies and obviously he's very upset about that and, you know, they're still all working on the land. He's a little bit lost, but he always knew that he wanted to do music. Yeah. He was always drawn to it. Yeah. And, well, first of all, actually, I forgot to say this. He said that when his dad came back with the body, that was the first time he he ever saw his dad cry. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, yeah, I get it. I think if there's one time for your dad to cry, that would probably be the time. That'll be it. That'll be it. What what a what a terrible time. What a terrible thing to go through. But um, Johnny... Johnny's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get off this land. We don't own it. We're still chained to it. But I am free to leave the country. Score one for the 20th century. Humans are allowed to leave freely off of land. As long as you're in the military. (laughs) What? As long as you're still working for the government. (laughs) But before that, I want to say, so I heard his mom say that like, you know, so he's, I mean, he's a pretty big guy. He's not like a huge guy. He's like, you know, a regular sized person, but he's that voice of just yeah. like, like his voice would just shake a room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. And his mom, like when his voice first dropped and like, I guess when he went through puberty, puberty and his voice got like that deep, Yeah. his mom was like, oh, that's like, that's the Lord in you. Like, Aww. that's a gift. Like he, she just said that she like heard it and was immediately like, that's a, that's a gift. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he all he always thought that music was what he had to do, mm-hmm. but he didn't necessarily know how to do it. Especially, you know, he's a young kid. He's like 17, 18, whatever. He's kind of lost. So he goes and he joins the Air Force. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he met his future first wife, like right before he went to the Air Force. Yeah. They went on like two or three dates and they were like, we're going to get married. Of course. Because what do you do when you're young and in love and it's the 1940s in yeah. a way? And- jr and vivian are batting their eyelashes at each other and he's going away to war and it's just so um it's so epic you know what i mean because it's just out of a story right she's like bye john write me while you're gone he's like i will baby i'll try not to die (laughs) i'll do my best (laughs) my best but jr was soon to be no more Mm -hmm. because when he signed up for the air force they made him choose a name exactly so he's like fuck it i'll be john i guess exactly he walks up (laughs) with his card and it says jr cash and they're like what the hell is this and he's like it's my name J.R. Yep. They're like, fuck it is. Go over to that bucket of names <laughs> and pick one. And get back over here right away. <laughs> the first one that he picked was Reginald, but <laughs> he, it didn't really connect with him. So he went, he went with Johnny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he gets stationed over in uh, Korea, I think. Yes. Because this was, around, this was um, around the time of the Korean War. Yes. And he was actually, his job was he had to listen to the radio. Uh-huh. 
because they had him do it because he had the fucking ear. Yeah. And he could like pick up the different cadences of different people talking on the radio. And, like, Which is awesome. And like know who they were. Because mm-hmm. if, like, if you're an American going over there, you don't speak Korean probably. You no. don't know a word of Korean. Right. But if you have a certain ear, you could pick up, oh, well, this person's talking now and he seems upset. Yeah. And this person, now this person's talking and they seem not as upset. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of get like a little bit of the context just yeah. by how it sounds. Mm-hmm. And Johnny was able to do that because his ear was like, he had that. Yeah. Which gotcha, I thought was really Korea. interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My grandpa was actually in the Korea War on that. I wonder if they knew each other. I wonder. Please tell the story about your grandfather because this is so interesting. Well, that, it's actually a really similar story because he met my grandma right before he went to the war. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to get married, and they knew that. But he, my grandpa went to Korea. But actually, this is what's crazy about my grandpa. He never actually had to fight in Korea mm-hmm. because while he was on the way over there, yeah. the war ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's crazy. So I doubt him and Johnny ever met. But they were around each other. You know, that, that's, that's pretty cool. That's right. I think they were. My, my grandpa was actually two years older than him because he was born in 1930, which is crazy because my grandpa's still alive. Yeah, that's well. I mean, is your was your grandfather addicted to amphetamines? For Not that 50 I know. Of. Years straight. If he was, he didn't tell me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, yeah. So he's in the military. He did his service over there. Mm-hmm. He comes back. He gets married. Fuck, I forget what her name was. The first Vivian. Wife. Vivian. Mm-hmm. So Johnny and Vivian get married. Yes, poor Vivian. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, and they're living in Memphis. <laughs> And they're starting a family. Yeah. And Johnny's like, I'm not just going to be like a, just a dad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got other shit to do. He got other shit to do. He does not want to just do a refrigerator repair, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's a pretty penny, though. They weren't broke. Cause AC, even, too. Yeah. AC, you make money. Yeah. Even now, to this day, that's a good amount of money. Yeah. All right. So Johnny decides to forgo the family income right right he decides to be a totally irresponsible deadbeat dad and husband no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) he's like i don't care about my kids that's right let them starve (laughs) (laughs) whoa uh sorry sorry to any of johnny's kids watching we know you're watching we know you're big fans (laughs) you've definitely heard of us right please please no but okay so and if you have it go over to that bucket of names and pick <laughs> ours out side after dark listen to us wherever you listen to music music maniacs podcast patreon.com slash music maniacs thanks very much anyway <laughs> so he's in memphis and he's like i want to play music because mm-hmm. also something to think about is that he actually writes his shit like he's, he's a poet yeah like a lot of music at this time well, we'll get into this in a little bit, but you know, this is like the time that Elvis is coming up, yeah. and they're just doing old songs. Yeah, that's really what they're doing. They're just putting new energy into it, and right. that's what like early rock and roll was. Yeah. But Johnny was writing his own songs, right? Yeah. yeah. So being that person, he kind of you know eventually attracted other musicians. He got these two other guys to play for him, you know, a guitar player mm-hmm. and a bass player mm-hmm. called the Tennessee too. That's right. And they were, he was saying, like, they would just start playing on his porch, and people would just, like, gather around, yeah. and it just became, like, a neighborhood thing. And that must, be, that must have been cool right there. It, it did. Just, it must have been, like, a lot of fun. You know, I can imagine, you know, nice southern evenings, and, you know, people just outside listening to music. That's cool. Yeah. Because you know somebody will start cooking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm hungry right Some now. Some of that Memphis barbecue, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then there was a record label in Memphis at the time. Yes. That was kind of a big deal. Yeah. By the name of... 
Mars Records. Uh, I was going to say Moon. Oh, man. I wanted to say Moon, <laughs> but then I was like, let me go for Mars. It was called Sun Records. Mm-hmm. And it was run by a guy named Sam Phillips. Yep. And this is funny. So we always talk about, you know, in all these episodes that we do, we're talking about, you know, obviously extremely talented people. But sometimes you need a little push. Yeah. Like we were talking about this um, when we did a Steely Dan episode. They were songwriters and nobody could do their songs. And eventually this producer was like, you guys should just start your own band. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. And that kind of set them off on their path. Right. So for Johnny, Sam Phillips was really important for his path. Yes. Because he went up to the studio and he was just singing all these songs from these old country artists. Like he was singing stuff from the Carter family mm-hmm. and others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, because, remember, at the time, everyone was covering songs. They weren't really writing their songs as much. Right. It wasn't as, as popular a thing for you to be writing and singing your own stuff. Yeah. So Johnny didn't think that his stuff was very good. So he was singing all these other songs, and Sam Phillips just like, I've already heard that. He was over it. He's like, we already know what this is. Like, what do you do? Like, I want to know what you do. Come, mm-hmm. to, come to me with some of your songs. Yeah. And he was just kind of like, oh, well, I guess I could do that. I guess so. Thank goodness. Yeah, and then he went over there with with Tennessee too. Yep, played some of their songs, and Sam was like, "I like that. I like that. Thank you, Sam Phillips, because we would have just had the man. We would just had a man. We wouldn't have had the man in black. Yeah, you know, he would have just been a person. Exactly. Sheesh. Probably wearing blue or something lame like that. Exactly. Who wants to be a person wearing blue or something? Who like wants that? to be the person in blue? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> That's not catchy. You know what I mean? You heard that blue man group? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. Lame. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know. They might be cool, I guess. No, no, I don't no they're, the they're cool. They they're all right. They, they, they do like performance art. Yeah, so they they're, they're kind of they scary. Throw paint but on yeah. People. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so Johnny gets signed uh-huh. to Sun Records. Yes, he does. And this is also the record label that Elvis is on. Who? This guy, he was all right. Okay. He he did some things. His last name was like uh, Pringles, Pring, Pringle Chips. I think so. You should just rhyme his name with what it really rhymes with, Cornball. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis Cornball Presley was also signed to that label. So they became friends. They were torn around. They had like a jam session, yep, which him, is pretty cool. Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee Lewis is in mm-hmm. on that too, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, yeah, so these guys start touring. But the tour can be plaguing yes because you're doing your own tour no one's driving your bus no one's picking up your equipment and setting it up on stage and Mm -hmm. making sure the sound's good and making sure you're no one's knocking over your um items and that everything's in condition you're doing all of that right right you're also so you're driving from state to state you just did a show Let's hop in this car, not a bus, not a truck. Let's hop in this car and drive to the other state where, you know, we're pretty early in the country. So um, a lot of roads haven't been paved Mm -hmm. down yet. So we got muddy road and tracks and witches living in the forest and God knows what else is out there. (laughs) Basically, it's a bumpy ride. It's a bumpy ride. Literally and metaphorically. Yes. And you got to stay awake. Well, I want to say first... 
Because we got to remember that, like, we it's funny because you talk about Elvis and Johnny Cash and it's like, oh, such legendary names. Yeah. But, like, at this point, like, rock and roll music was not a big commercial thing. Not at all. Like, again, they, they were, all these guys are just in this little record label in this little studio in Memphis. Uh-huh. Like, this is not a huge phenomenon. Like, no. they really are. They're driving themselves. They're doing all this little, all this shit by themselves. Yeah. Right? They're not. Um, Johnny said the first time he saw Elvis, actually, he was just, like, performing on the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> like they literally it was like the grand opening of like a hardware store and i swear <laughs> and like elvis was just like they pulled up a truck and he's just playing in the pickup of this truck awesome. so it's like some real down home country shit at this time it's Absolutely. not stadiums it's not nothing like what rock and country music becomes you nothing know what I mean? like it nothing like it and what happens to you when you're constantly driving your own uh uh cars and stuff and you have to pick up your equipment and all this stuff like that and you got to drive hours and hours to a show and then get on a stage right away you get uh tired yes <laughs> you get tired so one day mm-hmm. it was a hot it was a hot texas day 103 degrees yeah and a man walks up to johnny wearing a black leather coat mm-hmm. and sunglasses yep and it's hot as fuck so we're sweating really hard yeah <laughs> right and he goes up to johnny he's like Hey, boy, mm-hmm. I got what you need. You said, hey, you take one of these to stay awake. You take one of these to go to sleep when you're done. Uh-huh. And Johnny was like, you know, he'd just driven for 18 hours. He was like, hey, that sounds pretty good to me. That's right. Let me get some of them pills. <laughs> Let me get some of them pills. He does. And then that just starts with, you know, whole addiction. Because it's like, all right, you take the pill today. You take the pill tomorrow. You take the pill the day after. And bye the end of the week there you go you're an addict yay yeah and it's not even just one pill it's a whole cycle because then you get you take the pill to keep you up and then you're up to do the show but then when the show is done you still can't go to sleep so then you got to take another pill to go to sleep so now you're basically addicted to two pills yeah you're on the uppers and the downers Uh, yep yep Yep. And this whole time, his wife and his children are in Memphis. Like, what the fuck is going on with Johnny? <laughs> like, we haven't seen him in months. What's he do? What's going on with him? He comes home. He's on fucking speed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it clearly causes a lot of tension within that within their family. Definitely, because there's one thing that you can't like uh, pretend you're not on is like something speedy. Like, you know what I mean? On any uppers, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to hide that. <laughs> Your old biorhythms are off. You can't even like look to the right without like looking crazy you know what i mean so yeah you just have that look in your eye like <laughs> i'm like shit's going down exactly like back up like um so yeah so this happens to johnny this starts almost uh, this starts a half century of drug addiction of, yeah of an on and off like up and down like yeah constant battle with him i mean the insane you know thank god he lived as long as he did but um Let's go on his career, though. So Johnny's writing songs. Johnny's writing some badass songs now. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. He's he's skyrocketing. You know, he's not just playing the hardware store or anything like that. He's signed a son. You got the king. King. They're basically kings of rock and roll right now. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because in uh, at Sun Records, you had a lot of people coming in and out of there. So it wasn't just Johnny. It wasn't just um, Jerry Lee, and it wasn't just Elvis. You had Ike Turner coming through there. Mm-hmm. You had B.B. Uh, King. Like, I mean, B.B. King was like, Elvis used to carry my bags. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's just insane. You have yeah. so many people cycling in and out of there, um, you know, and other kings of rock and roll. Like, you know, Little Richard is up on the, the come up to, you know, and he's around there. Like, so everybody kind of knows each other mm-hmm. around the Chitlin circuit, mm-hmm. you know? So that's uh, that's really cool because that's like legit 
early rock and roll. Yes, at like the earliest. Like, I mean, what in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's cool because Johnny, like, this is something that, you know, it'll come up more as we go along. But he is really hard to necessarily put in one category. Mm-hmm. Like, he's country, but he's rock, but he's gospel, but he's folk. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's all these different things. He's just like a very dynamic person. Absolutely. And I just want to like cut in and sidebar that he was accepted into the Hall of Fames of all three of those genres. Country yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, blues and also um, rock and roll, which is crazy because you can And cannot, gospel. And gospel. Sorry, yeah, yeah, and gospel. Yeah. It wasn't blues. It was, it was gospel, it was country, and it was rock and roll. Yeah. Is there anyone else that's done that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, we could call Johnny a goat. Definitely. I don't know. I mean, I don't think Elvis has done that. And Elvis has had some gospel albums that I I've downloaded so i don't think he's in the well again this is the the difference talk about elvis again did elvis write his shit um most of it no mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. Uh, most of it right i'm sure he wrote a few things yeah but the thing is like johnny wrote all of this oh and it's just it's just gonna be more heartfelt when it's your words it's true and your experiences yeah you know what i mean and he was a guy like you know like we said he grew up poor Mm -hmm. and that's something, like, in the Depression, like, that kind of poor, like, that's something that stays with you your whole life. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to bring my grandpa back to this again, because he always talks about this, like, my grandpa was born in the Depression, and that's stuck with him his entire life, that kind of, like, scarcity kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, we, when we were growing up, we used to call him the human garbage disposal, <laughs> <laughs> because if we were, if we were at dinner, and there was, like, even a, sink, like, half a bite of food left on a plate. He's like, you're just going to, you're not going to eat that? <laughs> well, just give me that. Like, he would just eat everything. It would be like, you don't, you, you're mean the crust from that one piece of bread? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you, just, you don't know, come on, you don't know when you're going to get that again. Just, and that's in, like, 2006. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just something that stays with you. Yeah. So Johnny, like, he always, really, even as he's getting more successful, he always really identified with, like, you know, the working person mm-hmm. with like poor people, with people that are going through shit. Yeah. He never really seemed like, he always stayed pretty humble. Yeah. He never really seemed like one of those people, maybe like uh, Elvis, that <laughs> that got successful and yeah. just went fucking total egomaniac. Over the top, over the top. Um, a lot of flair. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, that's hilariously true. Um, uh, Elvis was Elvis had a lot of flair, but I think uh, personality-wise, he was still pretty pretty humble. But on the outside, it was just like, oh, you need that jumpsuit, yeah. You need that size belt, yeah. You need to hit a karate kick when you take your guitar off, yeah. And also, he's like, <laughs> I'm the king, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Johnny's is like, I'm wearing all black mm-hmm. because I want y'all to remember that shit ain't sweet out here, exactly. You know, like that's that's such a different thing, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for Elvis sure. wanted to be like that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Where Johnny was, um, honestly, he was more. He was more concerned with telling people about, like, God. Yeah. And, like, the Lord and shit. Like, and he, life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he wasn't... We'll, we'll talk about that more, obviously. But he just... He always seemed like such a humble guy to me. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I don't know him. I never met him. No. Sorry to break it to you guys. But that was just the vibe that I, I always got. Yeah. 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 And me too. But he's one of those voices that make you feel like you knew him. So mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome about it. Maybe because his voice is from the Lord. It was a gift from the Lord. You know what's really interesting, Dan? Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that I um a lot of um down south people, well Johnny's of Scottish, Irish, 
ancestry. Uh-huh. And I thought Johnny was Native American. Well, mixed. he did too. Yeah, because his voice, that usually comes from like with Native American vocals Mm, so i thought because his voice was so big and deep you know that he was mixed with native american which a lot of people are down south you know Mm. um black or white and it turns out that he's not yeah he thought that his grandma was like half native american or something but apparently one of his children like in the modern day like did one of those dna tests and there was like none of that they were like (laughs) hell no but i don't know you think maybe that's like a mental thing where he thought that like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way where like he thought that he was and he kind of acted more like that in a way maybe you know what i mean maybe it came out like that who knows i mean i I have no idea but i really thought he was you know i i thought he was too he kind of has that look at his face too right he kind of did until i saw um really young pictures of him right and then the really young pictures is like no he really just looks like a regular like down south like from scottish and irish ancestry he really does but as he got older i guess he got more tanned and not like i don't know if it was the drugs they got his skin darker (laughs) but he got more tanned and stuff (laughs) so maybe you know you could have been like are you but yeah yeah um but another way that um him identifying with people like the working people or whatever kind of like express himself yeah is with the prison concerts yeah and I don't know if we're skipping anything here. We kind of are. But. And, uh, yeah, we can come back and forward because he's still, yeah. he's on his way up and he's getting notoriety. He's yeah. already signed. Well, the thing is, when he was actually stationed overseas, he was saying he saw a movie like Escape from Folsom Prison or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he felt like he really identified with the prisoners because he felt like he was a prisoner being stuck in another country. He couldn't yeah. leave. And he was just he had to be there he couldn't go anywhere yeah so he kind of felt like a prisoner of i guess the air force in a way yeah i mean this is not the first time i've heard people from the military say that they feel like prisoners yeah america what's going on anyway (laughs) (laughs) so he really identified with that and then he it became kind of informing his songwriting too like he kind of started writing from the perspective of prisoners like he started talking about how he shot a man in reno just to watch him die you gotta shoot him down which can we can i just say that's a fuck how metal is that yeah that's so metal yeah i shot a man in reno just to watch him die and it's the way you say die too right Yeah, yeah yeah When I was little, oh come on! I, I want to sing it now. I, well, let's turn this off and listen to Johnny Cash. Bye yeah, guys. We're gonna pause. See you. See ya. <laughs> See you on the Patreon. <laughs> but um, all right. So then, yeah. So, so he ended up leaving Sun Records because a bigger record label with more money. That's right. By the name of Columbia. Uh huh. Was just like, hey, uh, we like what you're doing. Why don't you come over here and do that with us, and we'll let you do whatever the hell you want. Exactly. And he was like, all right. I reckon I will. But he still had some old recordings with Sun. Yes, he did. So technically, he was releasing things on two different record labels at the same time for like a, a brief period of time, <laughs> which is kind of funny to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hardcore. You got to get paid two ways, right? Mm-hmm. Under and over the table. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Don't audit me. <laughs> you can't audit Johnny. <laughs> it's too late. But um, yeah, I guess he, he must have been making a lot of money on that too because he was the songwriter mm-hmm. because that's where the money is really made. Yes, absolutely. The publishing and yeah. the, the copyright of the song, Yeah, which is another thing we're talking about. Like a lot of people were performers and you know, they don't have 
I don't know if he had his masters necessarily, yeah. but he definitely had the songs because he was the songwriter. Exactly. So he was already in a better position than a lot of artists. A lot. Like business-wise. Uh, yeah, especially in those days. You mm-hmm. know, it's hard to find longevity. I mean, look at poor Elvis. Like, you know what I mean? How much money he, was he making? He don't even know, ever. <laughs> he, he's in heaven and he won't even know. You know what I mean? Thanks, Colonel. He made enough money to eat a lot of food. Yes, he did. He was never... Uh, Starving. No, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Johnny's gaining notoriety. His star is growing, but so is his heavy addiction. It's causing problems in his family. Mm-hmm. His wife is leaving him, and this is kind of uh, I, do I even call it bittersweet? It's just, just what did they say? I'm gonna say these words. You're gonna charge it to the game. Okay, mm. so this is one of those sex, drugs, and rock and roll type stories mm. where it's like, okay, something ends up kind of good out of something bad. You know, Johnny loses his first wife, not to death. She's just sick of this shit. And <laughs> just to clarify, <laughs> just to clarify, and you know, there's a budding relationship with June, June Carter. Mm-hmm. Who? So I'm not like super well versed in country music, but apparently the Carter family is like the first family of country music. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool because you know he was growing up listening to them. Yeah. And he probably I don't know I'm not gonna say he probably had a crush on her when he was a little boy, but right. he probably fucking did. He probably did. And then they end up on tour together, and they just kind of like are just very much gravitated towards each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, June Carter had a lot of personality, and Johnny Cash too, you know, so they naturally clicked with each other and and, and, and um, also picked up each other's habits, like drug addiction, which is, you know, pretty sad. But um, these two stayed together pretty much till the end of time, their time. Mm-hmm. And But uh, Johnny's, like, he's he's... He's in and out of like rehabs. I think his last rehab is in the nineties and it's just like sheesh. You know. Yeah. It's pretty bad. But um you can have this kind of uphill downhill um battle with drugs when um when it's like pills. I think that that's cause it's like who I don't know any like severe drug addict story that can carry you for forty years. Well, I think the thing with the pills is just how easy it is. Yeah. Because you think about like, we'll, we'll talk about like, like if you talk about heroin, like you got to be shooting yourself up. Like you got to get the thing. You got to like, what's the tourniquet? Yeah. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, even if you're talking about like doing blow, like you got to be snorting shit up your nose. Like yeah. where with pills, you just, and then you just go about your day. And you go, yeah. You know what true. I mean? It doesn't take time to do pills. Right. Right. Know? True. So maybe that's something to do. And then also, this is a time where, I mean, medicine is be, you know, being more developed, but I'm sure people at the time were a lot more loose with their uh, prescription pads. Definitely. You know, I, which is really, it's so funny you say that. I used to watch that show, Mad Men. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of the show just <laughs> is, is showing the culture yeah, yeah, of yeah. the United States at that time. Yeah, and the yeah. doctors were just writing prescription pills for anything, giving you a diet pill for like nothing. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, I can see why, you know, they were super accessible and easily, um, you know, I mean, yeah, it would literally consumable. be like, yeah, I kind of had trouble going to sleep last night. Okay, here's Xanax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, sometimes when I wake up, you know, I'm kind of tired. All right, here's some amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it might actually have been that simple back in the day. I think so. Especially if you're a famous music star. That's true. Mr. You know Pill I mean? Poppin' Rock Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're that guy. Well, it's one of those things we were talking, we even talked about this kind of with like Miles Davis. It's like, if you're that guy, it's like, who's telling you no? Right. You get to a certain level 
where people just want to be your friend. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they're a professional doctor, but like, if you're a doctor, you'd be like, yeah, I want to be friend. I want to hang out with Johnny Cash. Right. You know what I mean? I'll give him some drugs. Right. I hope he like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not, you know, trying to slander any of his doctors or anything, but you know, that's gotta be a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure. I mean, you know, sidebar, doctor, you're a loser. But anyway. <laughs> possibly. You're possibly. a loser because you didn't prescribe me amphetamines. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. I'm so, trying to sell them. So, uh, <laughs> that happens. Would you ever play a prison? Um, If enough prisoners liked me, I guess. I would probably, too. Why not? I don't see why not. I would, I would too. You know how happy they must be? You know what the energy at a prison concert must be like? Because they don't get shit. Exactly. They only get to go outside for an hour a day if yeah. they're not in trouble. Yeah. Whatever. So it's like you're coming to do it for them. They're like, oh my God, they're coming here just for us? Yeah. Like they must be so hype. They must yeah. be, that must be the most excitement they've had in literally years. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that was a great time for the prisoners as well as Johnny. I can see it being awesome. As long as it doesn't turn into some Shutter Island shit where it's like, <laughs> you're there and all of a sudden you're there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. you do, Dan? <laughs> that's that's a whole different story. <laughs> Go there making sure you don't wear the same colors as, as anybody in there. <laughs> I'm wearing paisley. <laughs> <laughs> and open-toed shoes. No, that's not allowed. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe that. <laughs> but, um, okay, so Johnny, he's got a new wife. Yep. He's got a new life. Yep. He's got new kids. F that B from before. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she said it, not me. <laughs> but, um, so Got he's... better kids now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yo, you thought my kids were good before. You should see this new shit I got. Anyway, so he's got a new life, yep. and he's got a very strong drug addiction. Yes. But, I mean, they basically have an intervention for him, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They have to. I mean, I mean, he's had a series of them, but they have to. The, this thing is just like, it's like, okay, well, it's got to be in your bloodstream by now, you mm. know? So it's just like, you just got to find a way to cut down. We've got to mm. find a way to, like, live, because you obviously don't want to stop taking these, mm-hmm. and there's some type of coping mechanism or something but they all had an intervention and it just goes to show how people will rally around you when you're down at your bottom you know he had a tumultuous relationship with his father but it turns out his father was there for him Mm -hmm. like you know so that's a good thing um but he needed that he needed an intervention big time Mm -hmm. okay um and he got one you know who else was there for him who jesus jesus (laughs) (laughs) so so with this so he was already like you know very christian Mm -hmm. but like at this point he becomes even like more like almost like born again right yeah and he like doubles down on like his faith in his songs yeah and it's really cool because this is a thing like you know america technically is a place that doesn't have an official language or an official religion yeah but like anybody that spent any time here (laughs) knows that in reality it's a english-speaking country and a christian country yep right so i thought we just spoke slang and (laughs) money was our religion that's the secondary religion (laughs) but no i always thought it was really interesting because you know for me like growing up in america like as a non-christian person whenever i heard people like get all like 
talking about Jesus and shit. I just, I, it always seemed corny to me. <laughs> like, it just didn't speak to me, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of the time I thought it seemed like pandering, too. Because, yeah. especially with, like, televangelists and shit. Well, that is pandering. Right. Because okay. they know that uh, most of the country are Christians. Yeah. And it's a huge market to tap into. Yeah. So, a lot of the time when I was growing up, I would see shit like that. I'm just like, you don't even really believe this shit, dude. You're just no. saying this. Like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. But with Johnny, like... I never felt like it was corny. Yeah. Like, I never felt like he was being preachy or, like, telling people how to live. Like, I always felt like this is really just, like, what's been his life and his experience, and he wants to tell us about it. Mm -hmm. But he was never, like, trying to shove anything down anyone's throat. Right. You know what I mean? So I always really liked him for that, and I respected the music a lot for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, I mean... I'm I'm, I'm with his mother. Like, when I first heard Johnny Cash's voice, like, I couldn't believe that voice you know and it's like never heard another voice like him and what a great great voice just from like a simple humble man which is just like crazier and crazier and there were times when I actually used to just like sit and think and be like how how like how did he get this song like Mm -hmm. how do you get this voice like ring of fire like who gave that to you like how you know what I mean right Right. And it's just so simple and it burns, burns, burns. Right. Write that down right now. Well, that's funny because that's like that was like the whole thing of why his um, songs really cut through to a lot of people is because of the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. Like he never he didn't use too many words. He didn't use too few words. He used just the right amount of words. And it's not like he was having these huge songs with all these different instruments. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the time it was just a guitar. Boom, 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 boom. And like that was it. And it just cuts right through. Because yeah. when you have less instruments, like it, they breathe more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think people, because of that, like it made his voice feel more powerful as well. Because he yeah. wasn't fighting against all these instruments. Like it was clear that his voice was the song. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just one of those one of a kind things. And it's just so amazing. Like I, I still think about his, um, voice like that so he's moving up the charts he's drinking and drugging (laughs) he's cheating and philandering (laughs) and he's making a whole bunch of pill popping money while he's doing it and now (laughs) he's got a tv show (laughs) oh wait actually no he was he was sober during the tv show i remember because he said that if he was doing drugs at the time he probably wouldn't have been able to pull it off yeah but he got a tv show on like cbs or something like that yeah and this is the thing like you know now, I mean, there's so many places to get shows and content that, like, yeah. any show, like, the market share is going to be very small. Yeah. But back in the day, you only had three networks. Yeah. So if, like, you got the Johnny Cash show coming on at 7 p.m., like, half of America might be fucking watching it. Right. And he was like, I want this show to be about the music. Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of other shows at the time, they'd do variety shows, but, like, you know, it'd be things like um, they had to lip sync the songs because of the way the production was. Right. Or, like, it was more about the TV production than about the music. Yeah. But Jotty was like, we're not doing that on my show. Yeah. Like, people are coming on my show, they're really singing mm-hmm. and they're really performing. Yeah. And he had, like, everyone that he wanted, he had fucking. Bob Dylan on there. He had Ray Charles. He had like everybody that he wanted to be on that he respected as an artist. He yeah. was like, "Come on the show. Let's let's do some songs." Yeah, you know what I mean. I think that was dope. And then he would be like there playing with him and stuff a lot of the time. Yep. And it just seemed like a like a good time. Yeah, sounds so amazing. Yeah. Um, I actually was away um down south and I saw like you know late at night when they play those um 
infomercials and stuff like that. Yep. They actually were selling his show, like his... Uh, like the box set? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you got to see all the different acts that passed through and stuff like that. And it's just so interesting to see. But yeah, he definitely was. He definitely had a lot of people coming in. I remember seeing Gladys Knight, too, also. And I, I think Cher. Yeah, had to be. And um, so that was pretty awesome, too. So he gets mm-hmm. his show. He's popping. All right. He's drug free. But when you're a lifelong addict, it's always it's always leading around the corner. Mm -hmm. Very slippery slope. It's easy to pop right back into that groove. And it kind of sucks, I'm sure. You know what I'm saying? Because you're probably chasing that high. And then once you get it, it's probably like a lot of regret. Mm -hmm. But then it's also, oh, shit, I'm here. Might as well live it up. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, it's funny. Like I was um, watching like a documentary and there was it actually had a lot of um interviews from him himself Mm -hmm. and he was saying like a lot of people thought that uh you know 60s johnny cash was the craziest i think uh early 80s johnny cash (laughs) might have been actually the craziest yeah early 80s anybody might have been the craziest because again at this point now he's been a huge star for a long time so he's and again he's he has his own catalog he has a tv show so he's fucking rich now Mm -hmm. he can get all the drugs he wants he Mm -hmm. can do whatever the hell he wants he doesn't even have to necessarily make music anymore right and the music did suffer because of this yeah like he kind of you know lost it for a little bit like he felt like this was something else i heard him say that was really interesting he felt like he was doing a burlesque Johnny Cash. Yeah. Like he felt like at some point that he was imitating Johnny Cash. Yeah. Which is so crazy to think about. Yeah. You become like a character. Uh, he's a caricature of yourself. Like mm. you're just like faking it. You're giving people exactly what they want, what they know Johnny Cash to be. Right. Which sucks. And that's so interesting because the whole thing with him, you know, like we were saying, is like his authenticity. Mm-hmm. So for him to not even feel like him being his authentic self, that's clearly going to affect the music. Yeah. And he was saying at that time, he was just so apathetic. He was just on drugs. He just didn't even give a fuck what the record label was doing. He was like, I don't even know if I want to make music anymore. You know what I mean? Which is pretty sad. It is sad, but there's always a silver uh, lining, right? And what is that lining? Well, this is the thing. Everybody has ups and downs, you know, in life. Mm -hmm. Everybody. But not me. But go ahead. I only have downs. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, as long as you're still alive, your story's not over. Yeah. Right? So even if you're down at the bottom, you can, if you have the motivation, like, you can bring yourself back up. Yeah. And that's what Johnny did. Okay. Right? Yes, So he he was all the way down. Like, he was saying, he went back to, you know, from being one of the biggest stars in the world to he would just be doing, like, little country fairs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Playing for, like, 50 people. Yeah. And it's like, this is Johnny fucking Cash. Yep. And he was (laughs) loving to do it. (sighs) He was just, like, he was just content with it. And he really thought that he basically had done, like, everything that he was going to do, like, artistically. Mm -hmm. Until he met this other guy... With a magnificent beard. Uh-huh. Who came up in a genre completely different than what Johnny Cash did. Totally. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about... Double R. We're talking about Ricky Rubin himself. <laughs> and if you want to hear us talk about Rick Rubin, check out our Def Jam Records episode. Because we did that, and he's obviously a big deal in that. Mm-hmm. And he's just a big deal in music ever since he hit the scene, really. Yeah. 
A sidebar, he just interviewed Robert Plant the other day. But let's get back to Johnny. <laughs> I love his interviews. <laughs> Me too. Rick Rubin is like a monk. He's yeah. just like a musical monk. Uh-huh. Like he's just so on like a spiritual like level. Uh-huh. So like he so he approached Johnny. Mm-hmm. And remember at this time, like Johnny's feeling rolled down. He's like, I don't even really care if, if I make music anymore, like blah 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 blah. And Rick Rubin came up to Johnny and was like, I want to sign you to my label. Yep. And Johnny's like well, I don't know how much he knew of Rick Rubin before, but he was just kind of like, well, what are you going to do for me that all these producers I have worked for the past 40 years haven't done for me? Right. And Rick is just like, hey, man, what we're going to do, we're just, just come over to my house, <laughs> bring a guitar, I'll set up two microphones, and you just play anything you want to play. I don't care. You just come over and you just sing it like you sing it. Mm-hmm. And Johnny's like... I like that. Yep. That sounds pretty good to me. So he comes over and this is crazy. He was like, yeah, I had like a book of like 200 songs that I had written. <laughs> so I just go over to Rick's house and I just go through like all 200 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I just imagine Rick like sitting like no shoes on, right? <laughs> just like cross-legged Johnny's playing. He's just like, <laughs> all right, all right, Johnny. I really like that one. I- <laughs> I like the vibrations and the waves of the guitar on this song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he'll be saying trippy shit like that. And Johnny's just like, all right, Rick. <laughs> Whatever you say, Rick. <laughs> what are we going to do with it then? You know? And it, that's another thing, like, we were talking about earlier. Like, sometimes you just need, like, somebody to, like, push you. Yeah. And here it comes again. Like, Rick Rubin comes in. He's like, I know that you're not feeling really great about yourself, but people still love you. Yes. And... I know that you still have this in you. Yeah. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. We don't care if we have to prop your dead body on stage, Johnny, and uh, hook you up to some type of symphonic new wave system. But you're going to sing. He put five uh, defibrillators on his rider for his concerts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can get out there. But yeah. No green M&Ms or whatever it was. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he basically reinvents himself completely. Mm-hmm. Because during that point in like the like late seventies, eighties, when he was like super like super Christian, he wasn't selling as well, mm-hmm. right? So his career and his like addiction, everything was really going down. And then here comes old Ricky Rubin, and yep. he's like, "Come on, we're 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 coming back up. I'm bringing you back up." Yep. And that's what happened. That is exactly what happened. Johnny starts thriving again, and uh, you cut to a couple of years. Um, further down remember that album that he made where he sang all, a whole bunch of other people's songs yeah okay so that album's playing and i hadn't heard johnny cash's voice in so long like since i was like a little kid because mm-hmm. it's like nobody bangs johnny cash like you know what i mean you know him and you love him yo we should make a, some remixes of johnny cash songs i would love to that would be cool maybe that'll be first. bonus content for yeah for the patreon i would love to um yeah uh yeah so so then um, uh, my friend was playing that same album and it was, um, I forgot what song by U2 it was, but he was singing that song. And he's like, I bet you don't know who this is. And I'm like, it's Johnny Cash. He's like, how would you know? I'm like, there's only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only one. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, so that was great. And I couldn't believe that he had done that album. I'm like, what made him want to do this? You know? I know what made him want to do that. Please tell. Rick fucking Rubin. That's right, sir. Well, that's another thing. Like, I'm, 
I don't mean to just go on a rant about Rick Rubin, but like he's just a guy that understands music on such like a fundamental level. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, we're talking about, I mean, he did uh, Depeche Mode. He did Nine Inch Nails. He did all these songs that like, if you're just like an outside observer, you would never think, oh yeah, Johnny Cash would kill this Nine Inch Nails song. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm sure Johnny wasn't thinking that either. Nope. But Rick is just so in tune with the music that he would be, you know, he listens to everything and he would like really hear what the song is. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't necessarily be listening to like the arrangement, like the keyboard and all the shit, whatever. He would be listening to like, what is this song about? Like, what does this song mean? Mm-hmm. And he would really just get into it. And he'd be like, Johnny, I know what this song is about. And I know that you would crush this song, basically. Yeah. yeah. It, it's almost like he sees the song as a person. Mm. It's like he sees the song as a person and he wants it to make friends with another person. Like, <laughs> Rick. But yeah, um, yeah, because that's what I feel like. It's like he looks past, like he knows the music, but he looks at the artist. And mm-hmm. that's what he was able to do for Johnny Cash. And thank goodness, because, you know, it just put him even more into legendary status. Now, you know, Johnny outlived a lot of his contemporaries. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerry Lee is gone and Elvis is gone and they were all gone pretty early. When um, when Johnny was tanking, pretty much, that's when everybody was kind of like hitting bottom. Right. And, you know, the country was just getting too wild. It's too much drugs, y'all. Too much. <laughs> Out of control. Yeah. Oh, and at one point, I forgot to mention this. He was like, when he was like, first started getting into pills, he was living with like Waylon Jennings. Yeah. And like, they were just like doing just hella drugs together all the time. <laughs> like, you know, as musicians do. I don't know if y'all heard about this. Yes. Um, musicians sometimes do drugs. Yeah, sometimes. But um, talking about that first album that he did with Rick. Um, so yeah, so he literally goes over and just plays guitar in Rick's living room. And they recorded those all as demos, and they were planning on, like, bringing them to studios and, like, doing them with a band. But then eventually, they, I don't know if it was Johnny or Rick that thought this, but they were just kind of like, this is the best version of this. Just Johnny with the guitar. Like, it's the most bare. It's the most powerful. Yeah. And that's what they put out. So that first album was just all acoustic. And that now, like, you know, people are doing this, and now, like, younger people are coming into his shows. His shows are getting packed again mm-hmm. because it's he's literally just reaching a whole new generation now. Right. Right. Yeah. Correct. Man, what a king. And what a humble one, too. Which mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. All right. So Johnny's growing. And he's growing. And he's like, you know what? I'm so great. I need somebody to make a movie about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> well, well, okay. So so he puts the, that album out, and then things are going well for him. Mm-hmm. And then June dies. Yeah. Which obviously is really upsetting yes, for him. very much and, so. And I mean, this is kind of fucked up, but I also thought it was kind of funny that every all of the people around him were surprised when June died because they were all like, I can't believe Johnny didn't die first. Yeah. <laughs> like, when, if you're doing, you know, amphetamines for 40 years, I get why someone would say that. I get so too. But I think um, June kind of hid her problems better, but yeah. I, I heard that she had a heavier problem than he did. Like, Interesting. A lot of that, hap- ah, that happens a lot. Yeah. People like hiding their problems and then... We'll, okay, y- y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, um, so June dies, and then Johnny at this point, you know, he's getting up there in age, mm-hmm. and he's wheelchair-bound. Yeah. And even Rick was like, we were all saying, like, we don't know how much longer Johnny's gonna last, mm-hmm. because his whole purpose in life was to be out playing music, and now he can't play music, because his health is declining, and he's in this wheelchair and shit. Right, right. So basically... Johnny, again, just not, he's not giving up on life. 
-hmm. He's just not. So basically, instead of just like resigning himself to be depressed and his wife's gone and he can't play music anymore, basically they double down on recording. Yeah. So instead of, you know, him living his music through live shows, he's just like, we're going to record every day. Yeah. Like every fucking day. Mm -hmm. And Rick... Being the fucking man, yeah, he gets a band together for Johnny. That's right. Because here's the thing. This is also another reason why Rick is a fucking legend. They were talking about that first album. They're like, yeah, we did the acoustic album, and you know, it did really, really well. So the logical thing would be to do another acoustic album. But we were like, that's exactly what we don't want to do. <laughs> we can't just do that. That's what people would expect. Right. So he's like, we're going to get a band together. And the band that he gets together... Is just ridiculously stacked. Yeah. I mean, it's like an all-star band. It's right. crazy. Yeah, because Rick's putting together a band, and then the word gets out. Who are you putting a band together for? Oh, just somebody. Who? Um, There's just somebody. JR. Exactly. A legend. You know, then Rick gets tortured. They pin him down. They pull his ears. And he Tom Petty sticks a pencil in his eye. He's like, I'm <laughs> getting in this band. Put me in this band. Exactly. Mick Fleetwood hits him in the face with a drumstick. He's like, I want to in. I want in. Who else? Yeah, I mean, Tom Petty was in the band. Yep. Mick Fleetwood was in the band. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham was in the band. Yep. So it's a little Fleetwood back reunion with, exactly. with Tom Petty and, and Johnny Cash. Like, it's just ridiculous. It like, really is. Like, what do you think? And nobody else could have pulled that together but Rick Rubin. I don't think so at all. When Rick starts to work, uh, signals, Blue Jays actually start to fly out of his hair. And then they yeah, kind out of, his of beard. There's yeah, a nest in his beard. Exactly. <laughs> they fly out. And they kind of, they're not supposed to do this, but they whisper to the other musicians, like, Rick is working. Rick is working. Like, so that's how all those famous people found out about yeah. this project. Yeah. Bling. So that so that happens, and then you get into you know what we're saying the other album where he's doing all these modern songs and he's redoing it, and it's just crazy because like at this point he's so old, yeah. You can hear it in his voice, yeah. And you can hear all the things that he's been through, yeah. and you can hear the rough life that he's led, and you can just. You can just feel it. And it's like, it's so intense. Like, it's not something that you can really put into words. Right. But when he's singing these songs at his old age, like, you just can feel all that experience. And it hits you on a deeper level, I think, than even his earlier songs. Yeah. A lot of the time. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Because, you know, there's so much experience in his voice mm -hmm. at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're getting songs, it's like he's singing songs where it's like, it almost feels like he knows that he's towards the end. Yeah. And you can tell that in the voice. I find that scary, but carry on, John. No. I mean, it is scary, but that's also what makes it so legendary. I don't need you spreading your death on me, John, through the airwaves. How about that? No, no, no. Um, I was never going to die until I heard Johnny dying. And now, <laughs> I was going to be immortal, but now because of Johnny... I have death in my head. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it sounds like you're listening to time when you listen to him sing like those songs. Like it's, I don't want to say old man time, but in a way, yeah, you're listening to time. It's really interesting. Don't go Johnny. Shit. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's gone. So he, he died in like 2006, mm -hmm. something like that. Yep. And then they, they made a move. So they started making the movie when he was alive. When but he it was came alive. Out, yeah. When it came out, he was already dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As he was dying, they whispered to him, well, the, um, what's that thing called with the sickle? He actually came. He's like, we're going to kill you, John. The Grim Reaper? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you're out of here, but you should make a movie while you're, while you're dying. Yeah. And John was like, okay. And honestly, that's a great movie. 
Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I think the characters were awesome as well. Yeah. You know, they really played him really well. But that's that is a great movie. Shout out to Walk the Line, and that's the movie that made me a Johnny Cash fan because I didn't. You know, two thousand six, I was like twelve. Yeah. So I wasn't, you know, as deep into music obviously as I am now. I didn't really know too much about Johnny Cash. Yeah. But when I saw that movie, I was like, "Whoa, this is really good." Yeah. And then, I mean, shout out to Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. He really, he, you know, he sung those songs. He yeah, actually yeah. sung those himself. That was really him. And I'm like, damn, like. Yeah. Well, he was kind of a traveling Wilbury when he was a little kid, too. His family. Had yeah, him a, and his brother and yes, all them. in the yeah. cult. But yeah. Anyway. Well, we don't have to get into all that. We don't have to get into the cult. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, no, no, no. Um, uh, it was around then that I heard that album. And when my friend played it for me, he was like, who's this? And I was like, Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. My, um, It's weird. It's so weird. Caribbean people are big country music fans, you know? Um, go figure. You know, so it was a lot of Johnny Cash, uh, Kenny Rogers, mm. you know, Dolly Parton, you know, Waylon Nowhere and Willie. That's right. Okay. Nowhere to walk away. <laughs> Especially Nowhere Kenny. Run. My grandma had albums, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Kenny. Uh-huh. He's got great chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he, I bet, I bet if he actually like stood there and cooked it for you, you'd probably be freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That guy knows how to cook a little thing. Yeah. A little bit. But yeah, so um, Johnny gets the movie made. The movie is amazing. Um, and uh, gosh, it, it just it, it immortalizes him. Yeah, you know, because you really don't want him to go, and you kind of don't feel like he's gone. But then it's like you, you, he is gone. You know, there's a lot of these stars that um, that were like they're part of the the heyday of like Hollywood and entertainment and stuff like that. And it's crazy when you know like their their time is like over mm-hmm. like you know i think we were talking about the other day and i was like yo i can't believe frank sinatra was born over a hundred years ago that is insane like yeah, yeah. to even think about it because he was like on earth you know what i'm saying and not 600 years ago like within yeah. actual time so like all these greats and stuff like that when they actually leave all these gems for us and stuff it's just like it's crazy amazing like a movie or like a revamped album and a mm-hmm. revamped career or something to take you back to like when they started it's like totally awesome well that's the thing i think is so cool about johnny's career is like if he did stop or you know if he passed away or whatever in the 80s mm-hmm. like when he was in that low slump yeah. he would have already been a legend <laughs> yeah but what he did in like the last five years of his life, like his final act or whatever, is really, I feel like what immortalized him even more. Me too. Is just like, he's just like, if you're going to talk about like American music, country music, folk music, like you have to talk about him. Yes. Like he was just so influential, just like in everything they did, the songwriting style in you know, him writing and performing the songs the way that he did and just all of it. It's like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't separate him from the history of American music. Yeah. Yeah, and I just wonder who before him wore like all black like that, you know, because of course there was no goth, yeah. you know, and I mean, I understand like, you know, uh, in olden times, most of the clothes on people were black, you mm. know what I mean? Like the preacher wore all black or, you know, here in New York, most of the people, the professional people, you could see them in the 1800s and 1900s. A lot of them just wore dark, really, right. really dark clothes and stuff like that. But well, who you know, oh, on sorry. stage? Yeah, no, but who on stage? Like who, who wore black before him? Well, you know what he said, the original reason for him? Yes, I, I know the reason, but yeah, tell yeah. all the people. So originally back in the day when he was doing all of his, you know, all of his driving and he was doing all of his tours and shit, he started wearing all black because he was just like, this is the easiest 
like clothing style to maintain <laughs> it's not going to get super dirty yep. i could just wear it people aren't going to give me shit about it it looks good this is just the, the easiest way to do this yep and, but then it kind of you know he made it symbolic like he's like i wear well he had that whole speech like that whole song right yeah yeah of you know like i wear black for all the people that are like held down and for all the forgotten people of the world and blah blah blah, blah. and he like yeah. made it a thing yeah. And oh yeah, shout out to just like his storytelling ability. We didn't yeah. really say that. Like that's yeah. really what separated him separated him from a lot of other songwriters of the that's time. That's true. That's true. That's true. Cuz he'll start with something small like, you know, I heard a whistle, you know, mm-hmm. or I heard a train or something like that. And you're like, "Tell me more." Yeah, exactly. Did you? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um yeah, you can also sweat profusely in black and, you know, look all right. Yeah, you, you know. won't get the stains. <laughs> <You won't. laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Especially if you're popping pills, you need to sweat a lot, okay? I see yeah. you guys. And when you're wearing leather jackets in the 100 degree heat, <laughs> selling pills to other people. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, he's just one of those people that's so, he's just so great. And um, there's just so many small things about him even that are iconic. Like that that picture of him flicking off the camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, have a, I have a story about that picture, actually. Let us know, Mr. Dan, the music man. So back in the day when I was growing up, um, how do I want to say this? I may have hung around with some unsavory characters. <laughs> and one of the characters, I'm not going to say his name, but I knew that he sold drugs. I didn't know that he sold other things. Okay. <laughs> so Guns. One so one day, <laughs> we're, I'm sitting in, in his room, and we're like smoking a blunt or whatever. And he got a call, and he was like, oh, I got to go sell this dude a 22 real quick. <laughs> and I'm just like, huh? And he, like, he just reaches into his closet and just like pulls out this little gun and just like runs out his front door and like I guess sells it to him and comes back. And what he like as soon as he reached and got, like, got the gun, I was just kind of like, oh fuck. And he, he walked out and I looked up and in his room he had that poster of Johnny Cash <laughs> flicking you off. And I looked up and I saw that and I was like, I don't think Johnny wants me hanging out with this guy anymore. <laughs> I like, I feel like it was a message from Johnny Cash. He was just like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Yeah. You shouldn't be here. Like, no. what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And Definitely. I don't know. I just always vividly remember that. Like, I just remember being like, oh shit, he's selling guns right here. And then I look up and Johnny's just like. <laughs> this is for the birds kid <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> oh man that's crazy yeah johnny never um did any time he only pretty much spent a night you know yeah. the the many amount of times he went um to jail <laughs> yeah but he never did any time so that is probably what johnny wanted for you to get out and to go make that podcast about me son <laughs> <laughs> go spread the good word it's coming down the line <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. He's just the best. Like, his storytelling, his songwriting, it, it'll just live on forever. Again, he's in the Country Hall of Fame, the Rock Hall of Fame, the Gospel Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Basically, everybody fucking loves this guy. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. And I do think that is because, like, he did stay, you know, pretty humble throughout yeah. his life. Like, yeah. he always had his demons. Like, he never thought that he was, like, better than everybody else. Right. You know what I mean? And that's really something that... I think a lot of people can gravitate towards. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people can understand just from listening to his music. Yeah. Like he never had that kind of bravado, like the Elvis bravado. He was just like, life is hard, people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, life is hard. So like, that's something that people are going to like and people are going to understand on a deep level. That's true. And he never shied away from that. That's true. Man. Shout out to the man in black. 
They try to come out with a woman in black horror story. Bitch, please. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? There's some horror story called The Woman in Black. It's just some horror story. Was it a country singer? Not at all. Did she murder people with her guitar? No, she was just trying to ride Johnny's wave. <laughs> Johnny makes his own waves, okay? That's right. And we're boogie boarding on those waves right now to make this podcast. <laughs> we're skateboarding on Johnny's waves. So thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, we're Side After Dark. Listen yeah. to our music wherever you stream music and Please all that do. good stuff. Um, check us out on Patreon. Uh-huh. for If you want to keep the podcast going, patreon.com slash musicmaniacs. We'll say your name on the episode. Hello. You get to tell us what episodes you'd like to see us do. We do bonus content for every episode. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, so go over there, check it out. Yep. We let you threaten us if we don't play the right thing. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you can message us a lot of <laughs> uh, all the hate that you want. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, if you like the podcast, um, honestly, the best thing you could do is just spread the word. Tell your friends about it. You know, If you have other friends that are maniacs about music and you think they might enjoy it, Send it over. Hopefully, we, you know, we can give them some laughs and some good times because that's what this is all about, you know? Yep. And that's pretty much it. So uh, until next time, we'll see you around. See ya. I'd give anything to not hear you whine and cry about my life. Oh, what can I do, love? I got to move on and I feel that you combined with bleeding anger is the child.